Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Kyle, and my wife and I have the privilege of being the youth and young adults pastors here, as well as the prayer room coordinators for the Lake Travis Prayer Room. And thank you guys so much for being here this morning. I'm super excited for the message that I believe that the Lord put on my heart strongly on Friday. And so in honor of Super Bowl 54, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 54 together. (laughs) Well, it's actually, like I said, to honor the Lord's leading that we are doing this chapter, but it's a good way to remember it throughout your year. It's like, oh yeah, it was Super Bowl 54 this year. Let me go back and look at what that Kyle guy was talking about on February 2nd. So throughout this last week, I've been praying on what to share with y'all this morning. I had many different options and many different leadings and thoughts each day as I prayed, but this chapter, Isaiah 54, just dropped into my heart all of a sudden on Friday morning around 10 a.m. with a special weight on it. I really think this chapter is a now word for us at River in the Hills Church, as well as the body of Christ at large in this city and even in this nation. So I'm excited to dive into this chapter this morning with my church family, and it's just good to be with y'all. I have the privilege of meeting with and pouring to a lot of different groups of people, a lot of different churches, a lot of different uh, people from around this region and even the state of Texas. But I just want to tell you, there's nothing quite like home. There really is nothing quite like home. There's nothing quite like the familiar faces and the love of you guys, the, this church family that's been with our family for so many years and just continues to love and faithfully serve the Lord and then serve this whole body of Christ. And so we are unique. We are one of a kind. We're fiery. We're beautiful. We're a family of faith that really just wants Jesus. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than right here, right now. I love River in the Hills Church. So thank you guys. I love y'all. And be encouraged that Jesus really does look good on you guys. Jesus looks good on each one of you. (laughs) He really does. So before we jump in, let me set the context for this chapter. So Isaiah chapter 54 comes right after, you guessed it, Isaiah chapter 53. (laughs) Isaiah 53 is the pinnacle Old Testament prophecy of the life of Jesus. Specifically, the down-to-detail preview of his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel of Jesus is truly in Isaiah 53. In fact, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit actually used Isaiah 53 as the foundational scripture to bring that curious Ethiopian eunuch to saving faith in Jesus through the words of Philip the Evangelist. Isaiah 53 is quoted seven times in the New Testament. Only Psalm 110 is a more quoted Old Testament passage. And I believe, and just know, because the devil does not want the Jews to accept Jesus specifically, The enemy has inspired almost all modern-day Jewish synagogues to remove Isaiah chapter 53 as a forbidden chapter from their prophetic scrolls. It's not there. It's pretty much illegal for a practicing Jew to even read this chapter. That's how powerful Isaiah 53 is. And that's how much it exalts Jesus as a suffering servant and the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the entire world. He does. It lifts up Jesus. So Jesus gave us the promise in John 12 that if and when we lift him up, like Isaiah 53 did, he will draw all peoples to himself, all ethnos, all people groups to himself. So just as Isaiah the prophet lifted up Jesus, 
there's a logical following and outworking that Isaiah 54, there's going to be some sort of magnetic draw or wide sweeping expansion because he's been lifted up so much in 53. And we'll see in just a little preview here before we jump to the scripture, these first few verses of 54 paint the picture of rapid growth, rapid expansion of the children of God worldwide being born again at a massive scale. These verses show that there is a magnetic draw that is leading massive amounts of people to come to saving faith, to come home again, to come to their Father in heaven through the life of Jesus. It's just that simple. Like I said, if we exalt the man Jesus in spirit and in truth and with our words and with our actions and with our whole lives, naturally people will start to follow him through us. There is an irresistible magnetic draw in the human heart when we lift Jesus up. So take encouragement and confidence and really just take that simple, like driving, motivating factor that if I just aim, if I just pray that simple prayer when I wake up tomorrow morning or even throughout the rest of your day, Jesus be lifted up in my life. People are going to be drawn to him. We don't have to complicate it. That's maybe the most powerful prayer you can pray. Jesus be lifted up. And I'm going to believe that you're going to draw all people. You can't miss when you pray that prayer. You won't lose when that's your aim each and every day. And if you haven't seen a lot of fruit in your life, if you start praying this prayer in spirit and in truth and with faith, it's going to happen. You will really win people to Jesus in whatever context you're in. You're going to win large amounts of people to Jesus when you pray this prayer in simplicity, sincerity, and in faith. So here's a context takeaway before we dive in. To the extent that we lift Jesus up is the extent that the Holy Spirit will draw people to him through us. To the extent that we lift Jesus up is the extent that the Holy Spirit would draw people to him through us. It's super encouraging and it's so simple. I'm going to skip the Spurgeon quote for time. Sorry, Spurgeon, I love you. And Spurgeon really loved Isaiah chapter 54. (laughs) And that's what the quote's about. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Verse 1, Isaiah 54. And we're in the New King James Version. Sing, O barren, and you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. So this verse paints the picture of two different women. One is desolate and unmarried, not in a good state. The other is married and seemingly bountiful and fruitful, like everything on the outside looks good. The first woman, the one who is currently desolate and unmarried, is commanded vehemently to sing, and to cry aloud, even in her barren and unmarried state. This first woman, I believe, is representative of every person in their lives before encountering Jesus and saying yes to Jesus. Completely barren. Do you realize this this was you before you said yes to Jesus? Completely barren, completely dry, completely dead spiritually. We were unmarried, as it were, or unjoined, to the life source of all of eternity. Here's the cool thing though. All a person has to do in this barren, hopeless, unmarried, bad state is to simply acknowledge, believe in, and receive Jesus. 
like this verse said, it's not just to coldly mutter lifeless words in a scripted prayer, but to cry out, to sing from a heart that has a desperate plea for the salvation and union with the only real life source that ever has ever existed. And this is what this singing and crying out is talking about in this verse. It's someone who has realized their barrenness. It's realized their, their deadness apart from God. And in a moment of desperate, heartfelt sincerity, they cry out. And they sometimes even sing out for salvation. And the moment they do this, I love how instantaneous it is. The moment they do this, the very moment that they make this heartfelt confession, this heartfelt song, this heartfelt cry, they are born again in a moment. That shows how quickly the gospel of Jesus can spread. In a moment, someone's born and their whole destiny is changed. And not just that, they're not just born again, but they enter into that marriage covenant, that union with Jesus, that connection to the, the only real life source. They instantly become united and joined to Jesus. It's so encouraging, exciting that it's that quick. It can happen that, that instantaneously. They become, in a, in a moment, the bride of Christ when they cry out and vocalize their need for Jesus. Unmarried to married, in a moment, from barren and without any possibility or any hope or any future for any fruitfulness or life. Without any of that, in a moment, they, they become completely, they have the ability to completely uh, start bearing lasting spiritual fruit. And all of a sudden, they're joined to the Lord and now they have endless opportunity for spiritual fruit to grow in their life. So just like when someone gets married in their youth, they open up the door of possibility to conceive and give birth. That's why there's a lot of babies running around because <laughs> people have gotten married in their youth. There's a possibility for endless natural children, right, Brooke? Endless natural children. <laughs> there's a possibility. Derek, y'all know this. There's a possibility. Endless babies. <laughs> Y'all know this. So boom, this barren, dead, dry, unmarried woman or unmarried man in this picture in verse one is now married to God and has, has now entered into a life-giving relationship with Jesus where truly a journey of creating endless, eternal spiritual fruit is now possible. So contrast this first woman with the second woman portrayed in this verse. The second woman is currently married, but she's actually married and joined to a world system completely away from Jesus. And she's completely content about that. This woman, I believe, is married to anything other than Jesus, like I said, and doesn't have a desire to change. This woman is married to culture. She's in covenant with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And she revels and enjoys these unions that she has. This woman, like I said before, she seems to be killing it. Like she's crushing it on the outside. Everything on the outside looks great. There's tons of seeming visible fruit and even blessing in her life. But this woman, even though she looks like she has it all, in reality, everything she has ever amassed will fade away one day and will be lost because what she has born, what she's given birth to, was not born out of the Spirit of God. It was born out of her flesh and according to the Spirit of this age. And all the, the, quote, fruit or visible blessing in her life, like I said, will eventually be overtaken, like this verse promises. That will all be overtaken and overshadowed by the once barren and unmarried woman's fruitful life. The difference between these two women, 
It's two things. Desperation and divorce. Desperation and divorce. You see, the first woman was once joined to the world system, like all of us once were. That system that revolved around pleasing the flesh and sinful patterns, but she grew desperate and she grew hungry for something real, for something lasting in her life. In this state of desperation, she divorced herself. That was the key. From her unhealthy marriage to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In her desperation, she cried out and she sang out for salvation. And oh, how God met her. (laughs) Her decision to divorce herself from the bad and instead be married to Jesus in heartfelt love would promise her so much more fruit and so much more blessing that it would eventually overtake the other woman's apparent fruit. And think about all these kind of high level. I know this is high level. Y'all can take a deep breath. But this is what the Bible says. All this high level stuff, let's bring it down into our world today. Think about all these ideas in general with world culture and the world system. The church at large on paper is not incredibly thriving. There are not lines out the door of our churches. There are still empty seats in here. Are there going to be empty seats at the Super Bowl tonight? No. Yes, clearly God is doing amazing things and on the move in incredible ways. And I could sit up here for 10 hours and just tell you what God has done this week. Seriously, it's, it's, it's not all bad. But visibly, there are way more lines at NFL games <laughs> and even bars at 6th Street. None of the, there was no empty space in the bars at 6th Street last night. Let's just be real. There's way more hits on Netflix. There's way more hits on pornography than on sermon podcasts, a worldwide, on a worldwide scale. And that's just the way it is. It looks like the barren woman is the church at large right now. At least all the sleeping people in the church right now. You know that 10%, only 10%, and that's a very health-like optimistic number. 10% of the people in Austin go to church at least twice a month. 10% have a a connection to a local church. That means 90% of the people are doing their own thing, completely married to the world, (laughs) and totally happy about it. But that's not the end of the story. According to this verse, and according to so many prophecies made all throughout the Bible, and even by people in our day, And according even to the own whisper in my heart that I feel so strongly, and I know many of you feel in this room, and and just our confidence in the plan and the person of Jesus, according to all that, there is a promise that the current desolate spiritual and natural climate of the church of Jesus at large is not the end of the story. The end of our story, let me tell you, let me paint the picture. The end of our story is a massive, sweeping, worldwide revival And that eventually the only persons left with any sort of fruit on the earth are going to be the true believers in the man, Jesus, the true lovers, the one who want nothing else but him, the desperate singers to Jesus, the fully unified, fully beautiful, fully spotless, blemish-free, pure bride that will be equally yoked with Jesus. That's the only people that are going to be left. But it's not just going to be a few, I believe. This is the end of the story. 
The end of the story to contrast that for the ones who are married to anything other than Jesus, joined to any other world religion or world system that praises the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these ones will be outnumbered and eventually fade away, sadly, in the shadows of those once desolate, once unmarried, but now lovers and married (laughs) once to Jesus, who are now teeming with new life and growth. Listen to this, guys. It's so exciting. The children of God will outnumber and overtake the children of the devil. It's that simple. The children of God will outnumber and overtake the children of the devil. If you think I'm harsh for calling unbelievers children of the devil, Jesus did. Blame him. Right now they're children of the devil, but I believe that many of those will become children of God. Up to a billion. (laughs) I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. (laughs) I'm not making this up. It's right here. (laughs) Now we can also take these principles in this verse and apply them more deeply even to our daily Christian lives and hearts. Sometimes the most practical thing to do when we are not seeing fruit, when we're not feeling the Lord, either natural or spiritual fruit that we're looking for, the most practical thing for us to do is just to simply sing in faith to Jesus. (laughs) Sometimes we have to sing our way into the truth. (laughs) Sing your way into the truth and sing your way into fruitfulness. We have to cry out in prayer until the once desolate children of God outnumber the children who are married to the world system. We are commanded to sing and sing and sing until we see that day happen. There's no other option for us. There's no other option for us but to sing and believe that this day is actually going to happen. Sing in the prayer room here. Sing in church like you did this morning. Sing in the shower. Sing in your car. Sing in the grocery store. Sing until the sweeping billion soul harvest actually happens. Until Jesus comes back. Sing, even personally, sing until your own dry and barren and dead places start springing up new life in your heart. Don't give up. Don't give in. If you don't quit singing, you're going to (laughs) win. So verse one take home is what you take home with you as you're preparing more cheese dip to try to rival my dad's cheese dip today. Take home this from verse one. Sing until you see. Sing until you see, like this lark right here. I don't know if that's, it's not a lark. We had a little lark prophetic swirl yesterday with one of our friends. (laughs) Be happy as a lark and sing like it's actually going to happen. Sing until you see. Sing until you see the fruit, the natural trial, if you're believing for that, the financial miracle, the family member returned to the Lord, the salvations. Sing until you see real people drawn to the real Jesus through your life. And sing even until you see the multitudes, that billion soul harvest coming home to the Lord. Sing until you see the anger or the frustration in your heart towards people that you should be loving purely. Sing until you see that anger turn into peace and love. Sing until you see that spirit of heaviness that tries to attack you. Sing until you see that spirit of heaviness 
be melted away and be turned into a garment of praise. (laughs) Seeing until you see yourself, treat your family with more respect and more tenderness. Sing until the morning turns into joy. Sing until you see. So knowing this, guys, from verse 1, that our unified, our continual song to Jesus, this command to sing until we see, that this is actually going to be the agent that God uses to bring about the fruitfulness and the sweeping revival worldwide. You know he moves at your song. He's just waiting for you to sing and to cry out, to actually move in crazy cool ways. He's waiting for us to fulfill this. What's our response? Verse 2 gives us our response. I'll give you a preview of our response. Get ready. (laughs) Get your hopes up. Start smiling and singing more. Enlarge your heart and enlarge your home practically. Get ready. Get your hopes up. Enlarge your heart and enlarge your home. Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. (laughs) First of all, we have to enlarge our hearts to receive the capacity of the love of Jesus that he's made for each one of us sovereignly to experience in this life. We have to enlarge our hearts before this verse one outward promise of natural expansion actually occurs. We have to enlarge the tent of our hearts to love the lost like we never have before. Unprecedented, even crazy looking on the outside, levels of love and service to people who who can never pay us back. We have to enlarge the tent of our hearts to win souls to Jesus. We have to enlarge the tent of our heart to have a passion, born of the Spirit, not of the flesh, but a passion driven by the Holy Spirit to daily live on mission. We have to enlarge our desire for the lost to know Jesus. We have to enlarge our desire to be pure, to walk in like unprecedented levels of purity of thought, of speech, of action. We have to enlarge our tent to where the only motive left in the tent of our heart is to lift up Jesus. (laughs) Like when you walk into the tent of our heart, there's just one name there. And it's just Jesus. There's nothing else. That's what we have to enlarge our hearts to be. The only motive to lift up the name of Jesus and the simple gospel of Jesus. So that we may see the outward fruit of these verses. So that we may see the once barren and once desolate ones come home to the Father through our lives. We have to be willing to do, like I said, seemingly crazy things. To outdo one another in love and in good deeds to compassionately pray and serve and be unashamed to welcome people actually into our homes for as long as it takes until they are healed and whole and singing themselves for joy. (laughs) And from this heart expansion, we have to practically actually start thinking about what this verse is commanding us to do, to start thinking about enlarging our actual homes and spaces Maybe not literally our homes that we live in, but this natural outworking and command here, I think is legitimate and it's real if we have the faith to believe it. We just have to have the faith for it. We must have the faith. We must cry out to God to receive the faith, to see this verse happen. We must cry out to God to have the faith to believe that the harvest really is coming 
and the faith, the simple faith to know that God is a good father and he actually can and will provide for us to create and to expand natural spaces like practical homes of refuge, practical spaces of healing where people can come in that are just born again and find healing, find restoration, find their feet planted firmly. And I just want to stop here, Twyla. I know you have a heart for this. This is like your heart, which is amazing. I've seen it on the prayer request to have a sober home for people, to find restoration for as long as it takes. I just want to affirm that right now. That's not the devil leading you to do that. That's the Lord. Now, I have no clue how to go about this practical, natural preparation step. I don't. I don't know what it means individually for us or as a church. The only practical way I know how to expand my tents personally is to be super generous in giving myself to other people. In the middle of that verse, it says, do not spare. I take that as a personal charge just to be radically generous and know that the God who sees every gift, who waters back to those who water, will provide for me, even naturally, with finances and spaces. That's my only, the only thing I know to do is just be radically generous and let God do the rest. And call people like Pastor Nate Gaston, who actually knows how to expand something. Like, he's a carpenter. <laughs> and get around people who actually know how to do it, and that's their gifting and their call. But beyond that practical generosity, as far as this verse 2 commands us to do, how to go about it, I do know someone who does, in fact, know all of the outworkings, personally for each person here, and all the applications for this verse, for the here and now. Anyone know that person? Jesus. Or the... For us here on the earth, the Holy Spirit. That's what he's given us, the Holy Spirit. And I trust that when we ask the Holy Spirit for practical expansion-related preparation ideas, that he will give them to us at the right time and at the right place. And it's going to have the wind of heaven behind it. It won't seem not doable. And when we get these ideas from God, from the Holy Spirit, we must pray for the courage. It's one thing to get a word. It's another thing to have the courage to walk it out. We have to have the courage, pray for it, contend for the faith and the divinely inspired energy to walk them out and make them happen. We have to have divine might to walk out some of these ideas that he might give you guys. Unless the Lord builds the house, and we could say, unless the Lord expands the house, they labor in vain who build or try to expand it. So let me just pray for us before we finish up with the third verse. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us individually. Even right now, give us pictures on how to live out Isaiah 54 two, in light of the Isaiah 54 one promise, God. Holy Spirit, would you show us practical ways related to welcoming in large numbers of broken and hurting people who will be coming to you in this generation, I believe. Would you show us practical ways to naturally prepare places and show us how to host the presence of God, most importantly, in these spaces? Lord, I ask you to release to many in this room creative business and building ideas right now or even through this next week that will prepare the nets and the storehouses for the large end-time harvest that I know is in your heart. And Lord, we just, we just pause and say yes to the end time harvest of souls. We just say yes to it. Have your way, Lord. 
Save millions. Save even a billion, God. We say yes to it. And Lord, in and through this all, give us the faith of Jesus to walk these out. Give us the energy that Jesus had to walk these out. Give us the courage that Jesus had to walk out these ideas that you surely will give. And if you've spoken it, you will make it come to pass in Jesus' name. So verse two takeaway. Y'all doing well? <laughs> Bring it. Let's go. Verse two takeaway. Get ready. Get your hopes up. And prepare your hearts and homes for an Isaiah 54.1 fulfillment. I don't know what measure it's going to be. I want it to be the full measure. I want to see Jesus with my eyes. That's what I live for. That's the only thing I live for, is to see him come back. And if we have that same heart, the same like, all I want, like the ultimate, of course there's many other things that God has for us in the here and now. But if that's our ultimate, to see him face to face, we can't lose. <laughs> we can't lose with how we live our life from, the, from that goal in the here and now until that goal happens. So get ready, get your hopes up, and prepare your hearts and homes for an Isaiah 54-1 fulfillment. And I would add to the end of that, by the Spirit's leading. Because if you try to do anything outside of what the Spirit's actually spoken and confirmed to you, it might actually happen. But there's going to be a lot of there's just, you won't have, feel that wind at your back, <laughs> like the Holy Spirit blowing you to do it like you would if you actually spoke it in the now. So just keep asking him, talk to the Holy Spirit about these verses. He's going to show you. Verse three, last verse. I love this promise. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, to the right and to the left, and your descendants. <laughs> I think of all the youth that God's given a brook and I, a voice into. I think of all of them. Of course, our little baby girl, Lane, is in this, but, and Judah's in this. And, but these youth, I think of this verse. It says, your descendants will inherit the nations. Your descendants will make the desolate cities inhabited. Can you see it? Can you even see the young people in your life? Can you see them inheriting the nations? like the whole earth through Jesus? Can you see them making once desolate cities beautiful and like heaven on earth? Verse three is the fulfillment of what Jesus does in and through these multitudes who are crying out and singing their song of faith to him. Jesus promised in Matthew 5, 6 that the meek and the humble heart that was receptive to him would one day inherit the entire earth. <laughs> There's no greater promise than that, to inherit the, high, the entire earth. And it sounds a lot like the promise in verse 3 here. And your descendants will inherit the nations. The key is a meek and humble heart and a receptive heart that wants to obey him at all costs. All these once desolate, broken, and barren people, once desolate, broken, and, and barren, who were so lost and broken and desperate, all of them will eventually come to a place of such healing, such freedom, and such a staggering level of restoration from the inside out that they would become fit and qualify themselves to actually co-inherit and co-rule and co-govern the entire earth with Jesus. <laughs> there are promises and pictures all throughout the New and Old Testament that paint believers 
not just as run-of-the-mill, common sons and daughters running around, not, not just that, but actually royalty, royal sons, royal daughters, princes and princesses. Do you see yourself this way? Kings and queens under the leadership and lordship of the king of kings, Jesus himself. Worship team, you can come on up. Invite us to close our eyes and envision this verse three reality as I share a progressive picture of what's promised here. Close your eyes and just envision this. The once prideful self-kingdom builders have now become so internally fruitful in meekness and humility and have allowed God to elevate them to such incredible heights of a royal identity and reigning authority. From this identity, the once hell raisers have now become kingdom carriers. <laughs> the once hell raisers have now become kingdom carriers and supernaturally are winning multitudes of people to Jesus. And from there, <laughs> they are calling all these multitudes to the same height, the same level of royal identity and reigning authority. The once desolate people are now inhabiting and rebuilding those once desolate places like Chip and Joanna Gaines in that part of Waco. I'm serious. That's a picture. The once broken are now restoring and renewing physical geographical regions under the leadership and inspiration and energizing of the Holy Spirit. And a new Eden is being restored on earth through them. On earth as it is in heaven is being accomplished through these royal sons and daughters. You can open your eyes now. <laughs> so here's our takeaway from the last verse. See yourself. It starts with you. See yourself. You can only give away what you first received in your heart. See yourself as freed. Completely freed. Healed and restored royalty. You are nothing less than what that says. Because that's what the Lord says in the Bible about you. You are freed. Who the sun sets freed are free indeed. You are healed. By his stripes you are healed. And you are restored. Royalty. Walk out. Day by day. Moment by moment. In dependence on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and knowing this is who you are. Walk out and train others in the royal identity. Yes, call people to follow Jesus but continually speak into them their identity as royal sons and daughters. Like, hey, kings don't act that way. So I, tell, I told my ninth graders on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., kings don't talk that way. They love and serve people and make people better. Kings don't talk that way. Kings don't think that way. So yes, call them to follow Jesus, but call them what Jesus calls them, royalty. And then the freed <laughs> will become the freedom fighters. The healed will become the healers, and the restored will become the restorers. Close with a historical account about a deathless sermon. This was a deathless sermon, meaning, of course, anytime we preach the word, it never fades away, but this one really didn't fade away. May 30th, on a Wednesday, 1792, at Friar Lane Baptist Chapel, Chapel in Nottingham, England, a man named William Carey delivered an epoch-making sermon or an epoch-making sermon that was epic. 
based on Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of thy tent, he said, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. In this sermon to the Northamptonshire Baptist Association, Kerry called on his Baptist colleagues to enlarge its tent through missionary outreach to the lost. With this sermon, the catalyst for the establishment of a Baptist mission society became an actuality. Every single Baptist mission work was birthed out of this sermon. This is when it started. In 1836, a relative of his said about the sermon, he said, he proceeded to take up the spirit of the passage with two simple exhortations. This is what I'm going to have us respond to this morning. I'm going to invite my dad up to pray these realities into our life. Number one, these were his takeaways. Expect great things from God, according to Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. Expect great things from God, and two, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So I want to invite you guys to your feet. And if you want just to make the responses, just to do these two things, just to set it in your heart right now that I want to live out these verses, everything we've talked about, all three takeaways and then these two takeaways to expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. Just as a simple act of faith, I'd like to invite anyone who's stirred at all with these two to the front right now. And I'm going to have my dad pray for us. Pray these realities into our life. We need supernatural help. We can't do anything apart from Jesus. We really can't. Like, by you stepping forward, this is saying, I can't live these verses out myself. I need supernatural, divine, spiritual help to to walk these things out. So let's receive grace. My dad's going to pray for us for these two realities. I'm going to need some help here. The Lord's highlighted a couple of people to just with me for breakthrough. I'd like Deborah to stand up here. Danielle, are you in here? you come up here I just feel like I need I want I want some there's some breakthrough that's going to happen some people Sarah would you come up here please thank you Lord Michelle Cheney could you come up here and I want these ladies I these ladies I just have seen them before they're warriors and I want to do some just I know we're it's not going to take a long time but but there needs to be some breaking out of some of your self-imposed limitations. Are you with me on that? There's like ceilings, and the Lord wants to break them through, wants to punch through some of those ceilings. So yeah, so just get, just let's, everybody open your hands to the Lord right now. Just give yourself all the way. Say, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. I've expected some things, but I've wanted to play it safe. And I understand some safe, but there's also safe in the arms of Jesus. There's also safe in the arms of a miracle-working God. A God who stopped Kyle's phone from working 
when he was running from Jesus and Corey Russell was preaching at one thing and Kyle was just looking at his phone. I said, oh God, stop his phone from working. His phone stopped right then so that Kyle would listen. And that man, Corey Russell, laid hands on Kyle just two weeks ago for God just prophesied over all is complete. That's the God we serve who can stop a phone, who can stop the sun, who can do great things. So Lord, here we are. Lord, here we are. Help us in our unbelief. Would you cause, as Bob Jones prayed, cause our faith to arise. Make us dread champions. Is Matthew Nix here? Is Matt Nix? Would you come up here? I want descendants. Abigail, could you come up here? Let's pray for the descendants. For these, would you stand up here? Everybody just stretch your hand over them as a sign for the, the passing on. Michelle, you're three. Where's Michelle? Yeah, you're three boys. Pray for them right now. Let's pray for them. Sarah, her. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Keith, would you come up here? Would you come here? Yes. Just about the, the no limitations. In 2000, from 2010 to to when I was on my deathbed in the hospital, I literally couldn't do anything without drinking. Like I couldn't even go to the store without having a panic attack. So talk about someone who had every excuse to have every limitation in the world. Like you got here today probably without having a drink this morning. You were in a way better state than I was. There is no limitations through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Keith Dorth. This is Rachel Dorth's father. He flew in. He flew in from New Jersey to be with his daughter this weekend to watch the Super Bowl together. And I don't know if you can put that verse up about the verse three, but the descent to your descendants. So there, we're going to break open this this generational train. So if you're if you're uh, if you're this age, this age, the twenties or the teens. Or if you're older, let's all let's all engage right now for a break. We got the little babies too, the little ones, and the all on up. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this man Keith and his wife Michelle, who in New Jersey they follow along on the screen with us. Lord, who has been humble and they moved to Kansas City so their daughter could be a a songbird in the prayer room for five years in the middle of the night watching for you, Lord. Father, I thank you now for the great things being released. Oh, if you're over 40, just right now, pray for release of the grace on your life through your children and your family and through your spiritual children. Release grace. Release power. Release faith, expectation. May our sons and daughters be for signs and wonders in this world, in this hour. May they walk in the fullness of what you've called them to be. 
And Lord, may we all attempt great things for God. Lord, not just blind faith, but Lord, with courage, may we step out of the boat. Even right now, I just want everybody to just break the sound barrier and pray out loud right now and cry out right now. Call out for faith and courage. Say, I'm not going to stay safe without you. I want to be where you are, Jesus. I want to go where you go. Let's just say that together. I want to go where you go. Where you call me, I will go. I say yes to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Break us out of safety that leads us to compromise. Break us into courage that steps out to see you move mightily in us and through us. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. You're sick in your body. Just ask the Lord to touch it. We've already had communion powerfully received. Word of knowledge, someone with skin afflictions or irritations. Someone with skin irritations, just receive. Someone with, now this is an interesting word. Someone with fear of kidney infection returning. You have fear of a kidney infection returning. We break that spirit of fear. We break fear of physical sickness. Thank you, Lord. We're going to officially dismiss, but if you need physical healing, in particular, would you just lift your hand up right now? Just lift your hand. If you need to kind of wave it, and I want some people to surround right now, to surround physical healing over here Joe over on that side up here someone up here come on up just break it out everybody everybody you're stepping into a new 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 thing here thank you lord any of the intercessors if anyone's got a prayer at this point but i want to encourage you yeah we'll be back here at five for the super bowl party but i understand you have time we're just going to keep this uh unofficially you don't have to stay but anybody have any kind of a prayer on your heart or anything specific. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Holy Spirit, come and relieve, release healing. You sent your word and you healed. Son of righteousness, come with healing in your wings. I, did, I break off spiritual barrenness off of this church, off of these believers. Fruitful. Be fruitful. Multiply. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, over this generation, thank you for Matt. 
thank you for his mom, faithful intercessor. Pour out blessing over him. Thank you, Father. I thank you for a man of great strength in the spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Matt loves you with all his strength. Thank you for Abigail. I just release. This is this kind of token with this generational thing. I just thank you, Father, for even now a stirring, a greater stirring of knowing your voice, particularly for people who are confused and uh, need clarity. Would you use her to bring people out of the fog and into clarity for their life? Thank you for, for courageous prophetic ones, for dread champions. And I declare for all of us over 40, Lord, may our faith not fail. Like Bob, you told Bob, called Bob Jones to pray, may our, would you release tokens in our days to say, oh God, you're real. Oh, that's real. Man, that, wait, what? This morning at 8 o'clock, I got Zechariah 8. And I started praying it, and Grace is back over there five rows back, and the Lord spoke to her, Zechariah 8, before I ever got up and said anything. That's just wild. Lord, I thank you for tokens where we know you're real. We can believe you with all our heart.